I'm sorry, I fell asleep. Whatever. You had, you had, you, man, you waited until I went live to say that. I know you did that on purpose. I'm just trying to make everyone's, you have to, you, you have to. comedian. Yeah, you yeah. had, no, you just have to now edit this, so suck it. What if I make you edit this one? Uh, you can't make me do shit. <laughs> yes, I can. I am your boss. Excuse me? And I'm your elder. Your what? Both. You're, you're definitely older than me, yes. Yeah, so you have to respect me. I don't have to that. respect shit respect if you're an idiot. Elders. You have to I don't have to respect shit if you're, you're a dummy. You have to respect your elders. Does that mean I have to respect Donald Trump? Yes. Oh, it does? <laughs> is this an all-encompassing rule here? Of course it is. Oh, my God. Older than time itself. That's um, literally that's literally impossible. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. As soon as time starts... Oh, okay. What? No, right. no, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> All right. This, is, right. This, this was about to turn into about the stupidest argument we could possibly have. So I'll just... I'll concede that one to you. But you still, you still have to, you have to respect that I'm older, I'm wiser, uh, I've been on this earth longer, and I've seen and done far more things uh, and gained far more, far more wisdom. Um, plus, yeah, I'm your boss, so, and uh, you can even call me daddy if you want. Do you fall asleep again or what? Wake up. Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to respond to that bullshit. So I thought you were going to go were. ahead. And, I thought you were going to start this podcast. Did this? Or are we? Or is are we including this at the beginning of the podcast? We might just now. Let's do it because that's going to be hilarious. <laughs> All right. Anyways, start. This is this is the introduction to the podcast. Welcome everybody. John and I hate each other. <laughs> So much, so much. And here's the funny thing. This was supposed to be James the Brain and John McGlynn, the big Irish, and they were just going to have this nice civil discussion on uh, the AFC uh, home game start sits going green, yellow, red, and uh, um, James couldn't make it. John couldn't make it. And here we are. You get John Hogue at Superflex Dude. You get Sam Lane at FF Stompy. You get double entertainment this week from us. So that's right. Be happy. And, and then we still got the uh we still have the the Sunday morning FF Mercs live. So yep, we do. Yeah. We're all we've got all the opportunity in the world to yell at each other here. So uh let's uh before we um get going here, just want to tell you about Another great podcast from the DLF family of podcasts. If you subscribe to the mega feed, besides getting access to the Superflex Super Show, you can also hear the Dynasty Double Take podcast. It's a quick hitting Dynasty fantasy football debate podcast hosted by Dan Sanyo and Nathan Powell. The Dynasty Double Take provides quick hitting analysis and discussion on a variety of Dynasty fantasy football topics. They don't yell at each other the way we do, but they definitely get into some very, uh, very important and very useful topics, uh, primarily in the offseason. But uh, I still think they put something out from time to time. So definitely check that one out. Uh, and uh, all of the great podcasts from DLF. All you have to do is subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, Mega Feed. 
And we're just going to put this off for just another quick second while we get to Ethan Turner with the injury report for week eight. John Hogue at Superflex Dude back here with Dr. Ethan Turner at eTurnerFF underscore PT to go through all the injuries for part two of our uh, Start Sits episodes here. Dr. Ethan. So we're going to start with a couple, uh, with a few new injuries for you. And uh, first up, Will Fuller. Um, he uh, So he went out of uh, last week's game. Um, and uh, how long of a of a uh, absence are we looking at here? So with Fuller, I think this is uh, he, he's he's a textbook example of the post ACL risks. Um, Fuller had a long history of hamstring strains before he tore his ACL last year. Um, again, he comes back uh, and has a good game, one good game. You know, really wasn't playing super up to par of what you would expect from him, which again you would expect coming off that ACL in the middle of last season. So you'd think he was just about to turn the corner and then he suffers another hamstring strain. Um, this one, this one sounds pretty serious. The team has come out uh, multiple times already this week and said that they expect him to miss some serious time with this. Um, you know, a strain, even though we call it a strain, a strain is just a tear. So it sounds like he had a pretty significant hamstring tear. Um, so this is this is serious business here. So I'd expect him to miss at least through their bye week in week 10 and possibly longer, just given the team's reaction to this and their, their pretty immediate uh, response that this was serious. Wow. All right. Uh, Josh Gordon has been playing through injuries, I mean, for most of the season, really, um, and then just randomly goes on IR. Uh, the Patriots trade for Mohamed Sanu. What, what's the story there? How serious is this with Josh Gordon? So Gordon's been dealing with a knee strain, and this is this is a tricky. This is classic pa- Patriots trickery here because he goes. They put him on the IR. I'm assuming to open up a spot for Sanu to come in, and he says that medically he should be cleared here pretty quickly, um, which is not the intent of the IR, the IR means you're not expected to return quickly. So the fact that he says that he's medically ready here pretty quick tells me that they're either going to try to trade him or they're going to waive him after the trade deadline. And I think that, I think that all the signs are pointing towards that being the case. Um, again, kind of an interesting case. Cause I really don't, he, he's very adamant that he's not going to, he's not actually that hurt and he's getting ready to come back. So uh, I hope just for Josh Gordon's sake that this is, this literally just has to do with him being banged up this year and then being disappointed with not being able to trust him. And it doesn't have to do with some of his previous transgressions um, and possibly a relapse uh, just for, just for my own sake. And for his sake, I hope that this is just an injury related thing and it doesn't have anything to do with his past. At some point you and I are going to have to talk about Nikhil Harry too, because that one kind of felt like the same type of thing, just kind of a, the IR ended up being kind of a place to stash him, but that's, that might be my own conspiracy theory. We'll get to that at some point, but Pat Mahomes, we've got to talk about this one, obviously, because uh, we we all watched it in prime time on Thursday night as the, the kneecap gets dislocated and popped back into place right there on the field. He walks off the field 
And then we started hearing that this could be anywhere from three weeks to, to season ending. And now he's back in practice and it sounds like almost made it onto the field here one week later. So it's been a roller coaster ride. Where are we at with this? Yeah, this is this is pretty textbook star healing here. Um, last week, last week I talked about uh, Mahomes on the fly. It just happened when we were recording, and I spoke on all of the different options depending on how his MRI came out and what what that could mean for him in the Chiefs long term. Um, we talked about the risk of re-dislocation being very high, um, uh, 40-plus percent. Some studies have up to 70%. So this is an injury that uh, very likely he's going to need surgery for at some point um, to re-stabilize that patella. He could possibly get away with it the rest of this year by using a brace, but there's no guarantee that that is going to be 100% effective. Um, the good news is that his MRI came back clean, which means there was no major uh, fracture, which is really what they were looking for. Um, and there's there's no other damage to the knee besides the dislocation. Um, the dislocation, it's almost a guarantee that he tore um, his medial patellofemoral ligament, which is a ligament that attaches on the inside of your knee that basically its only job is to make sure your kneecap doesn't dislocate outside towards the outside. And uh, if it if your kneecap does dislocate to the outside, it's almost a guarantee that that, that ligament has failed. So very likely that he's going to have to get that fixed at some point. But the team is going to go ahead and let him try to play as quickly as possible with a brace. Um, does that impact his mobility? Based on the videos I saw uh, leading up to this week, I could have told you there's no chance he was playing this week. He did not look good. He's favoring that knee. There's a 0% chance that he was playing. They just ruled him out on Friday. Um, I think this is a good example, I think, of uh, a team playing playing their options as best as possible. Um, there's no competitive advantage to ruling your star quarterback out uh, on Monday. So um, th this is just Andy Reid kind of smoke screening us a little bit here. There was almost no chance that Pat Mahomes is going to play. Um, but next week, it gets a little bit trickier again. Uh, we'll see how he looks in practice. Um, right now, he's still favoring that knee quite a bit. Uh, he's not planning off of it. Um, when he goes back to throw, uh, I, I don't have high hopes for him returning next week either, but we will see star healing has done some pretty crazy things. So, um, Mahomes certainly fits the criteria. The fact that he's even trying to practice is pretty impressive. Star healing, hashtag star healing, get to know it, get to love it. And, uh, let's get that thing trending because it, we end up using that every single week and it just, it rings true. In so many cases, Pat Mahomes on his way back faster than expected, but he is going to miss uh, this week in a pretty tough matchup against the Packers, by the way. Uh, finally, O.J. Howard um, already ruled out against uh, Tennessee this week. And this one feels like a little bit of a surprise. I mean, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention, but it seems like this kind of came up later in the week, right? It did. He actually had this strain on Wednesday at Wednesday's practice. Um, 
again, these are the ones that will get you. Uh, same thing with Keenan Allen, who we talked about in yesterday's episode. Uh, these hamstring strains in the middle of the week kind of fly under the radar for the for the average fantasy consumer. So, uh, again, a hamstring strain is just a tear. Um, it sounds like this is this is a pretty minor injury for Howard, but uh, again, you're you're not going to want to push these things because it will just tear more. Uh, there's no way to brace it. There's no way to prevent it from injuring further. So you kind of have to just rest it um, and let it heal on its own. And so Howard's going to miss out on this game. Um, Cameron Brait looks like a, a reasonable streaming option if you can get him. Uh, but again, I'm not. I'm not really trusting any of the tight ends uh, in Tampa right now. I just, I just don't feel like they're using them effectively, even in the red zone. So, who knows? Brait and Brait and Winston seem to have this like love affair. So maybe it's going to be a huge game for him. I think he's worth streaming if you're if you're suffering at the tight end position, which the majority of people are. Uh, but outside of that, I don't I don't really see. Um, a whole lot of fantasy value in that position on that team. There's also the piece where OJ Howard has a little bit of trade value right at the moment with the trade deadline coming up in just a couple of days. I'm not saying I'm just saying we can. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is, this is, uh, you gotta, you gotta kind of raise an eyebrow. There's definitely interest. Uh, they could be, they say they're not shopping him, but, uh, you wouldn't want him to get hurt significantly in uh, the the week before the deadline. So this is this is definitely one to raise an eyebrow at. Yes, thank you. Okay, uh, we'll get to uh, some of the some, just a couple updates. Uh, we only have three of them um, for this uh, for this episode for this iteration. So jump right in. First of all, Devonte Adams, uh, pretty nice matchup with Kansas City. I mean, they're playing quite a bit better, but. Uh, we, we saw what Aaron Rodgers can do without Devonte Adams. We would love for him to come back and get a piece of this. Are we going to see him this week? Sadly, I don't think you are. Uh, turf toe is one of those things. Again, I feel like this is a, a repeat record, but it's hard. It's hard to rehab and you don't want to risk hurting it to the point where you need surgery and then you're out for the rest of the year. Uh, still not practicing for Adams. Uh, he was downgraded to doubtful on Friday, another week without the the number one wide receiver for green Bay. But well, I mean, we saw last week, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need a number one to, to throw six touchdowns. So uh, hopefully we'll get a repeat of that performance just from an entertainment perspective, but don't expect Adams to be out there. How about Delaney Walker? He, uh, I, he, I believe he made his return last week, only to go out again. Um, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. And then um, beyond that, though, uh, how long do we think that Delaney Walker is going to be out? Is there a chance that he plays this week? You, so no, there's no chance he plays this week. The team actually came out and ruled him out uh, for this week on Friday. He does have an ankle sprain. Uh, again, worth noting the the major ankle injury that he had last season that ended his season. Uh, that's kind of crept up on him a few times this year, and I think it's just gotten to the point where the, he needs some time to rest. Uh, he tried to return, um, but, but left after just five snaps. So uh, really one of those things where uh, I think I think we're kind of reaching close to the end with Walker, especially in, in dynasty formats. I'd be trying to get rid of him as quickly as possible. These are things that don't tend to get a whole lot better, um, especially the fact that he returned at all was pretty impressive to me. So um, I'd be trying to get some value for him while you still can. 
Uh, he has a practice this week. Johnny Smith becomes really an interesting option at tight end. We talked about uh, Cameron Braid as being a, a possible streamer. I think Johnny Smith uh, could be a guy that really is an intriguing option um, at tight end with Walker sidelined. The Tampa Bay Tampa Bay defense just gives up points to the tight end position, and and Walker or sorry Smith has a lot of, of value as a, a seam guy. So. You know his athleticism is gonna could possibly be on a pretty good display here. I'm I'm looking at at least probably four or five catches, and I'm gonna say over sixty yards. That's my prediction for Johnny Smith. You heard it here first. <laughs> nice. Um, I would I would go pick him up if you can. Uh, if you really need a spot start at tight end, because I think Smith's gonna eat this week. Interesting. All right. Yeah, we'll have to uh, have to make sure that that's on the the. Uh, green, yellow, red as well. And then, yeah, opposite end of the spectrum from star he- healing is old man healing. And as a 38-year-old man, I can tell you for a fact uh, that that one also exists. Yeah, one- <laughs> not, not, qu- not quite as, as limber as he once was, which <laughs> no. is a shame. Yeah. Uh, one last player here, Tyrell Williams. We've been without him for way too long. Are we getting him back yet or what? Um, he is looking to make a return this week. He's been dealing with some plantar fasciitis, nice. which is not not great. Um, but uh, it sounds like he's got that under control. Um, he should make his return this week. Uh, worth noting that I think Zay Jones is going to suit up for the team for the first time this year uh, after they traded for him. So we'll see how that dynamic works. Um, obviously good for Derek Carr. Not quite so good for Darren Waller. So um, might be worth kind of looking into you got to start Waller, but I guess don't expect the the huge, huge breakout games that he's been having without Williams. So we're still just happy to have Tyra Williams back. We'll take it. So that's going to do it for the injuries for week eight. Thank you again to Dr. Ethan. That's E-Turner-FF underscore PT on Twitter. And make sure you're following him so you can keep up with all of the injury updates uh, as the weekend progresses. Ethan, thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so that's how it's done right there. So now we can jump into these green, yellow, reds. And uh, you can, you've been doing this all season. And uh, I mean, it sounds like you've been pretty accurate. I will say I've only done this once or twice, but I've also been extremely accurate, probably far more accurate than you even. Um, granted, it's a small sample size, but uh, we can. Uh, we can see if that trend continues here. Yes. Uh, please. I, I, I have to say this outstanding claims require outstanding evidence. And I would love to see you put together that evidence. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all you have to do is go back and listen to. No, no. The, I'm the telling you that you need to present the evidence. I have to this do your research for you. No, it's not my research. You're the one that's making this stupid claim. <laughs> You're the one asking for evidence. There's evidence because I'm not there. making the claim. <laughs> this is it. like the whole the whole God thing. Do you believe in God? You think God's real? Then prove it. Prove that he's not. <laughs> it's not. I'm not the one making the claim. <laughs> yeah, you are. You just did. I didn't make any claim. Where did I make a claim? <laughs> I didn't bring it up. You brought it. Up. I, I, it is an. It please. is a. It is a. Not a simile, a metaphor for you <laughs> that you made an outstanding statement, so you have to back it up without outstanding evidence. 
outstanding. It was an outstanding claim, and it was an outstanding moment in the outstanding uh, career of the Superflex. And now we're getting into just twisting words around. <laughs> yeah, so can we just get to the start sits? We'll go green, yellow, red, as we always do. Do you want to tell us about the Eagles at Bills, or do you want to yell at me more? I mean, I could yell all of this at you. Your green lights. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize for everybody whose ears I just hurt. Um, <laughs> yes, I will start the start sits here. Uh, Thank you. So the only green lights I really have here um, are all on the Bills side, believe it or not. Uh, I know, kind of wild. But the Philadelphia Eagles secondary is abysmal, and they've been injured. And that's where the Bills are going to take advantage. So I have a green light uh, as Josh Allen. Um, don't – I mean, anybody who listens to me knows I don't like Josh Allen. I think he's a an extremely poor quarterback for the NFL, but extremely effective in terms of fantasy football because he can run the ball. Currently, Josh Allen is the – QB 13, which he shouldn't be, but uh, he has five fan uh, games of 20 or more fantasy points despite being relatively poor in terms of accuracy. Um, and I, he throw, but he's thrown the deep ball really well. And I think it was Ryan, Ryan McDowell had a tweet today that he was like 20th in completion percentage, but like fifth in deep ball percentage. So, I mean, that's just such a, a Josh Allen stat. Um, and now he faces, like I said, an Eagles defense that has been atrocious this season. Um, they have allowed the seventh most points to uh, – or fantasy points to QBs. They've only allowed one game. I, I mean, all right, I'll say two games here because one of them is the New York Jets with Luke Falk. But really, it's only one game under um, – 20, 25 fantasy points, and that was Matt Stafford in week three. Um, it, they've also given up three games of uh, 30 or more fantasy points. So I think Josh Allen's a great start this week. Um, in terms of the wide receivers, it's John Brown and Cole Beasley. Um, the Eagles have allowed the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Um, and like I, I don't know what else to say there. I mean, they've allowed double-digit fantasy points basically every week, except for again that New York Jets week. Um, John Brown seems to be the QB one for Josh Allen, and I need to look this up really quickly. Um, he has five or more targets in every game. He's has over fifty yards in every game this season. He only has two touchdowns, but I mean, when you're getting five or more targets in over fifty yards, you're basically getting double digits almost every week. So John Brown is a good start, especially against, like I said, a poor Eagles secondary. Uh, Cole Beasley is also um, one of John um, uh, Josh Allen's favorite targets. Uh, he's more of the safety blanket for uh, Josh Allen. Uh, he also had, well, he has a game of three targets. He has a game of four targets, um, but he's also got two games of double digit targets and another of nine targets. So uh, like I said, they're bad against wide receivers. Um, so the wide receivers are at, at least the main wide receivers for the bills are green lights this week, yellow lights for me, Alshon, uh, Jeffrey, the Bills, one of the most underrated and the best um, 
defenses in the league. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Looking stuff up as I go va- vamping here. Um, You're for sure editing this one. <laughs> no, I'm not. You don't. Why would you need to edit that? You don't need. Quit being trying to be a perfectionist, John. Edit that. You don't want to edit that out. You admitting that you have to look stuff up as you go. No, why would I? Why would I do that? I use I use evidence to back up my claims, John. Uh, okay, but you don't have to make everybody wait while you look at. Oh, that. I'm sorry. Did they have to wait two seconds? You know what's taking longer? <laughs> this bullshit conversation. That's true. You're gonna have to edit all of this out. Yeah, not <laughs> editing it. So if you make me edit it, I'm just gonna not edit. So well, I'm not editing it. So well, then you may as well just throw it together. Uh, <laughs> the bill. The Bills have given up the tenth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this season. Alshon, obviously the wide receiver one for the Eagles, but not the best matchup. So while I think he is startable. You're definitely going to temper expectations with him. Uh, Frank Gore is also a yellow light for me. Um, the Eagles' strength on defense is against the run. They rank um, 10th in DVOA against the run. They've allowed the seventh fewest fantasy points to running backs this season, but Gore gets enough volume that he should be okay. Um, a lot of people are on Devin Singletary, but Devin Singletary doesn't really get a lot of the snaps there in Buffalo. Um, Frank Gore has gotten 51, 54, 46% of the snaps. Devin Singletary, when he was in there, his highest percentage was 70% in week one. Week two, he went, I think he got injured and he only had 33%. He only had 39% last week. He also doesn't get near the touches that Frank Gore does. Frank Gore has double-digit carries in every week this season. So while the Eagles are good against the run, I think there's enough volume there that you can get decent points from Frank Gore. Carson Wentz is also a yellow light for me. Uh, Like I said, the Buffalo defense is really under the radar in terms of um, the defense, uh, top defenses in the league. They've allowed the fourth fewest fantasy points to QBs. You're not really sitting Wentz. Carson Wentz has been one, one of the better QBs this season, but because of the matchup, you can't really expect a high ceiling from Carson Wentz this week. So that's why he's a yellow light. My red lights, uh, surprising Zach Ertz. The uh, bills have been very good against tight ends this season. They have allowed the second fewest fantasy points to tight ends on the season. They've allowed the uh, 10th fewest over the past uh, three three weeks, but they've only allowed one double-digit fantasy point game, and that was to Evan Ingram in week two. So it, it, as well as Zach Ertz has just not been, I guess, the same this season as he was last season, um, and especially over the last two weeks. The last two weeks, he's only had 54 and 3.8 fa- or sorry that's that's before PPR uh 9.4 and 5.8 fantasy points the last two weeks he's just not getting the yardage he's not getting the targets um that we saw last season so uh I don't like this matchup and I think Zach Ertz is a sit and if you have a better option say somebody like Darren Waller who you would have picked up late or even like Noah Noah Fant this week who faces an Indianapolis Colts that uh, team that gives up uh, fantasy points to tight ends. 
I might be starting them over Ertz, and I know that's a little bit hot takey, but the matchup is horrendous for Ertz. Same with Goddard, obviously. Um, I've already mentioned Singletary. just does not get the touches to make me comfortable enough against a Philadelphia Eagles uh, defense that's good against the run, and then all Eagles running backs. While the Buffalo Bills have not been fantastic against the run, the split between Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard this season makes them unstartable against the Bills this week. All right. The Bucks are at the Tennessee Titans. O.J. Howard and Delaney Walker both going to miss this game, by the way. A very good matchup for tight ends, um, but both of those guys are going to be out. Uh, so you're kind of looking at their backups. But start with the green lights. Chris Godwin, it's not a good matchup at all, especially against <clears throat> no. oh, the oh. best Slot oh my god! I corner can't. We in can't, the game. We cannot have the same argument twice in a week. Logan, we can't Ryan, do this. Y- you're right. We can't. We can't. So you have to just let it go. The best slot corner in the game is Logan Ryan. He's lining up on Chris Godwin. But here's the problem. At this point, we're considering Chris Godwin matchup proof. He's a must start every week. He's a top ten option. That's that's what it what happens when you put the best slot corner in the game on Chris Godwin is it just knocks him out of the top five into the top ten. So you're still starting Chris Godwin um, with uh, full expectations of a wide receiver one week. Green light. Uh, we can also green light Mike Evans. Uh, it's a hit with the toughest coverage going to be on Chris Godwin. Um, green light Corey Davis. Uh, he had the best game of the season for him in Tannehill's first start last week, and the Bucks are the third worst at stopping wide receivers. So it's a much better matchup for both Corey Davis and for Ryan Tannehill. And uh, again, they had Corey Davis had his best game of the season uh, to this point with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Notice how I'm going to skip over that argument as well. Yellow light, both quarterbacks, though, they they just aren't very good. Their weapons are good. Their situations are, it, it, in the case of Ryan Tannehill, the situation is tremendous. In the case of Jameis Winston, the weapons are amazing. Uh, but they're just, they're just not that good. I prefer Ryan Tannehill to Jameis Winston. It's a much better matchup for him. Uh, they're both startable as high-end super flex options. Uh, but we're still going to just temper expectations with yellow lights. Yellow light for A.J. Brown as well. Uh, Davis looks like the top option, and it's a pretty low-volume passing offense. Uh, but Brown does have an incredible matchup, could get free for f- some yardage and maybe even a score. Yellow light, Derek Henry. It's a tough matchup, but the Titans still want to establish the run or die trying. Uh, well, yellow light, Jonu Smith. Um, he's a pretty sneaky plug-and-play. It's a great matchup. Um, the The Bucks are the second worst at stopping tight ends from scoring fantasy points. And will yellow light Cameron Brait uh, for similar reason. Um, the uh, The Titans are seventh worst at stopping tight ends. OJ Howard is out once again, so Brait really kind of consolidates that tight end workload in a great matchup. Um, but we're going to red light Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. It's just a tough matchup for running backs. Um, the The Titans are 22nd best again, or 22nd worst. Uh, so 10th best, 11th best, whatever. Against, they're, they're pretty good. 
against running backs. So it's going to be a tough matchup for those guys, and especially when neither of them really gets enough volume to matter. So believe it or not, I have Corey Davis and Johnny Smith as starts this week on my start sit article. Love it. Yeah. Um, and it's because they have a good quarterback. Oh, yes. They have a, they, <laughs> they have a good they have a good matchup. I had to, I had to do that. So so why isn't Ryan Tannehill a start then? Oh yes, I have all three of them as starts. Oh god, gross. All right, fair enough, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, Corey Davis, like I said, is a green light for me. John o. Smith, the only problem is, I mean, he's still a backup tight end. He's still a young tight end. It's, I, I don't know, it feels like a lot to expect for him to be a, a high-end tight end one this week. There's a good chance that you've got a better option. But, yeah, I, yellow light easily. I Again, good plug-and-play, kind of a low-end tight end one for me. I mean, fair enough. Good enough for me. Uh, on to the Jets at Jaguars here. Uh, green light, obvious one, Leonard Fournette. Um, he, I mean, he is one of the top like six people that is, or he's one of the six running backs that gets a bell cow uh, share of the touches every week for his team. Uh, the Jets have also given up the fourth most po- fantasy points two running backs this season. So Fournette is a v- I mean, very bright green light this week. Um, another green light, and I hesitated a bit on this because DJ Shark has Jeff definitely fallen off the last couple of weeks, um, faced a relatively difficult matchup in week uh, six, or is it, sorry, yes, week six against New Orleans. Um, they've been a lot better of late. Uh, last week is a little bit more concerning because it was in Cincinnati Bengals, and I felt like that should have been a better uh, game for Shark. He only had 7.3 fantasy points, but the Bengals have actually been decent against wide receivers. So we're going to give him one, one more shot here and say that he's a green light this week. The Jets have given up the 14th most points to, uh, to wide receivers. So they're not horrendous, but they're not great either. They don't have great cornerbacks. They have good safeties. Um, but I think DJ Shark probably gets into the end zone once this game uh, gets a couple deep bombs as well. Uh, the other green light uh, on the other side of the ball is Lev Bell. Um, much like the Jets, the Jaguars have not been good against running backs uh, this season, especially of late. Um, over the last three weeks, they've given up the fifth most fantasy points. They gave up 176 yards and two touchdowns to Christian McCaffrey in week five. They gave up 13.6 and 10.9 fantasy points to Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, so combined 24, uh, over 24 fantasy points. Last week, not great, but the Bengals have just not been able to run the ball at all. So I'm, I'm kind of throwing that one um, away because I, I just don't think it's a representative game. Um, they've also given up double digit fantasy points to Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy in week one, another one to Derrick Henry in week three. Um, and, and then in that same Carolina game, they gave up 14 fantasy points to uh, Reggie Bonifant. So, I think they're very susceptible. Le'Veon Bell, uh, it gets a bell cow role in that offense, so he will get enough volume that he will have a great fantasy day. Yellow lights, uh, 
D.D. Westbrook, he has been, he has kind of gone under the radar uh, because of Shark's success and probably because of that Thursday night game where he, he dropped a couple passes. But over the past three weeks, he's had 11, 8, and 9 targets, 82, 53, and 103 yards. And the week before, um, week four, he had uh, six targets for 66 yards. And then that nine target game in Tennessee where he dropped a couple, including a touchdown. But Really, since week three, he's been heavily involved in this passing game. He's actually been very consistent, we'll say. And uh, I think he's got a decent matchup from the slot. There's not really anybody in the slot that is going to be able to stop him um, for the Jets. So that's why he he's a yellow light because he doesn't get a ton of yards, but he gets a decent amount of volume. So his ceiling is kind of capped, but he's got a good floor. Um, Robbie Anderson is also a, a yellow light for me. The Jaguars traded away obvious, one of the best cornerbacks in the game of Jalen Ramsey. Um, but they haven't been all that great against the pass anyway. Uh, as I, <laughs> as I try and look up stuff while we're re- recording, John, Damn, um, so unprofessional. I, Oh no, I'm sure that people really don't give a shit. <laughs> um, they probably don't, but La- yeah, I know. I, uh, I still just like to impose my will on you. You you can't do that though. I I don't know I why do you think you have time. that kind of oh, whatever. I do um, that all the time. Yeah, I'm living rent free in your head at this okay. point. Okay, all right. Um, last week Alex Erickson had 21.5 points. Boyd had 10.5. Auden Tate had 9.5. Uh, the previous week, Michael Thomas had 16.9. DJ Moore had 15.1. The previous week, so they allow decent amount of um, fantasy points to wide receivers. Robbie Anderson is the wide receiver one on that team. People will probably say Jamison Crowder, but when Robbie Anderson's going and Sam Darnold and him connect, um, they, they are one of the best when maybe I'm going to exaggerate there. I'm not going to exaggerate. They're, they're a good duo to have. Um, so yeah, that's why Anderson is a yellow light this week. Uh, same with Jamison Crowder. Uh, the week that Darnold got back, Jamison Crowder returned to his uh, his week one form where he had what nineteen targets. Um, in in uh, when Darnold returned, he had nine targets, ninety eight yards. Last week was tough, obviously, because it was the New England Patriots. But I look for the passing game of the Jets to get back on track here. Um, and that's why Darnold is also a yellow light. Um, believe it or not, the Jaguars have actually been relatively decent, I guess, against um, QBs, but much like the wide receivers, they're more middle of the pack. Um, they they gave up 27.1 fantasy points to Andy Dalton. Um, they gave up 27.1 points to Joe Flacco and then 31.1 points to Patrick Mahomes. So they're susceptible uh, at points. And without Jalen Ramsey, I think they're more susceptible. That's why Donald is a yellow light red lights. I don't know. Is Chris Herndon even playing this week? Uh, at, at this point, it doesn't sound like, yeah, it. it looks doubtful. So, I mean, you're not really starting anybody else there. I don't know if Demarius Thomas is really startable. I'm not going to take the chance there. Um, so I think Demarius Thomas is a red light this week. Uh, Josh Oliver's also a red light though. He played last week. He wasn't really targeted. Um, I think Gardner Minshew is also a red light this week, even though I'm starting them in a couple places. Cause I have to, especially in, um, in super flex, but the jets 
have allowed the sixth fewest fantasy points to QBs over the last three weeks on the season. They've allowed the uh, 13th fewest, but uh, over the last three weeks, they've allowed uh, 16.5 fantasy points to Tom Brady, only 21 to Dak Prescott and 14 to Carson Wentz. So, and they haven't let a a quarterback go over uh, 30 fantasy points on the season. So, I think Gardner Minshew has taken a couple steps back over the last two weeks, and this is going to be a relatively difficult matchup for him. Uh, let me see. I've got the Browns at the Patriots. Good lord, that one's that one's actually really tough. I and I don't know how you feel about this, but there's a part of me that wonders if this so Jarvis Landry guarantee, guaranteeing a victory. Uh, really kind of adds an extra dimension to this entire thing. So first of all, I'm going to green light Tom Brady. Um, and a big reason for that is that guarantee. So the Browns are, uh, they're the 11th worst against quarterbacks. So there's a path here anyways. Um, but Jarvis Landry guaranteeing that victory, it, it feels like a good way to wake kind of a sleeping giant. I mean, this could be New England putting up 50 points just to make a statement. Um, the Browns are also sixth worst against running backs, so green light Sony Michelle. Uh, the best way to attack the Cleveland defense is on the ground. Um, pretty much any game script is going to favor Michelle getting a strong workload uh, plus opportunities to score down around the goal line. And then uh, green light Julian Edelman as well. Uh, he's the top weapon for Brady and the weakest part of the Browns pass defense is in slot coverage. They're 19th against wide receivers, uh, but that's uh, they're particularly bad against the slot. Plus they're getting back Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. It sounds like both corners are going to play in this game, um, which uh, only hurts the outside wide receivers. Um, Edelman just still is uh, is the top option, an easy wide receiver one this week. Yellow lights, though, all over the Browns offense. Nick Chubb is a virtual must start, but is a horrible matchup. And there's an outside chance that you have better options. Uh, Tevin Coleman, I think, is a better option. If Josh Jacobs were to play, I think that he's a better option. Uh, so, you know, there's there there's a chance that you've got some better options, but I think Nick Chubb at this point is going to be a low end RB one just on volume yellow lights uh, with strong consideration for red lights. So on Odell Beckham jr. And Jarvis Landry uh, Beckham gets Stefan Gilmore Landry has a minor ankle injury anyways. And then he gets Jonathan Jones. Who's the fastest cover corner uh, on the new England side. New England just doesn't have, weaknesses in this defense anyways they're they're 32nd they finally got to the point where they are the absolute best across the board it, against quarterbacks against running backs against wide receivers against tight ends so it there's just not much of an angle where you can find fantasy production that you can absolutely count on in this matchup for any of the browns uh, for the same reason, I'm going to give a yellow light to uh, Baker Mayfield as well. And if in it's it's tough, that one's a really tough one. Um, 
he's getting a yellow light only because we're talking super flex and quarterbacks are thin between buys and injuries, but he's barely a quarterback too. In a week where we only have, we're down to 28 quarterbacks. Um, after you take out the two bye weeks, you take out Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott, you take out Kirk Cousins. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess, you know, Case Keenum slash Dwayne Haskins after the Thursday nighter. Now we're down to 28 quarterbacks and Baker Mayfield barely makes it into the top 24 for me. So uh, a yellow light. And if you've got better options, definitely consider it. Yellow light too on uh, Philip Dorsett and on Mohamed Sanu. I think it's just too early in his Patriots tenure to consider Mohamed Sanu anything more than a low end flex. Um, Philip Dorsett likely draws Denzel Ward uh, returning from injury. And then yellow light, James White, who should be involved, uh, but it'll be a pretty negative game script for him uh, as the uh, the Patriots are able to get up big and uh, go into grind the clock mode with Sony Michelle. Red lighting everyone else, primarily the tight ends on both sides. Uh, just no one garners enough attention to be relevant. Um, David Njoku still out. Ricky Seals-Jones is kind of the top option for... For the Browns, but again, I mean, it's it's the worst possible matchup for a fantasy tight end against the Patriots. And then on the New England side, they're just they don't have that one guy without since the retirement of Rob Gronkowski. They don't have an alpha tight end. Ben Watson could make his debut here. May you know there's there's a chance, but let's wait and see it actually happen before we bank on it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, and and you, you've already said it's borderline, but I'm I'm putting Baker and um, OBJ as red lights for me. I just like I'm considering like Joe. I mean, there's a couple other red lights I have here on my games. I mean, Jacoby Brissett. I'm probably starting Jacoby Brissett over Baker Mayfield. I'm starting Joe Flacco over Baker Mayfield. I'm probably starting Mincho over Baker Mayfield this week. It's wow. just, it's so bad. Like, yeah. and, and you, and you said it, I mean, the highest fantasy point total they've allowed is 16.3 into Josh Allen. And the only reason he got that many was because he had 26 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Other than that, the, the only guy who's thrown over 200 yards, the only quarterback is Ben Roethlisberger in week one. Everybody else has thrown for less than 170 yards. Um, including last week, Darnold threw 80 for 86 yards. Daniel Drew Jones, 161 yards. Colt McCoy. Well, I mean, that's not, that's not great. Uh, Josh Allen, 153. It's just not, it's such a poor matchup and Baker has not played well this season. And when you look at that San Francisco game, uh, where he only scored five fantasy points and threw for a hundred yards, that's the type of outing that I am looking at here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, man. I, I mean, I think that you're probably right again, like the big thing for me and, and this is, this is pretty intangible. It's not, not really something that you can sink your teeth into at all for fantasy purposes, but that Jarvis Landry guaranteeing that victory that just, it, it piques my interest when it comes to this Browns offense, maybe they're finally, they're the ones who are finally able to get the ball yeah. moving and yeah, we'll get see. some points on the board. 
And if they're able to do that, I mean, it's it's Baker Mayfield, it's Odell Beckham Jr., it's Nick Chubb. Um, so it's it's super speculative. I mean, call it a hunch more than anything. Yeah. But I, I just I I don't like. And the process only, wise, I agree with you. You you've got to you've got to bench these guys. Yeah, and and really, I mean, Jarvis Landry is probably the best option in that passing game this week. I mean, Golden Tate on a hundred and two yards and a touchdown. Um, Cole Beasley had 75 yards on seven catches on 13 targets. Uh, Juju had 78 yards uh, in week one. They are the, the slot receivers are the best option against the Patriots. And that's why I don't like OBJ whatsoever. And, and, and we, I mean, you've already talked about, he faces the best cornerback in the league. Yep. Um, and there's just not any outside receivers on this list. I mean, whoever Steven Sims is, but he had the only, <laughs> I, I think he got most of his yardage or most of his plays in the running game. Um, John Brown had a decent game. Uh, Preston Williams barely broke double digits. It's just such a horrendous matchup. And I hate the Patriots with all of my heart, but I don't see a team this year that it, that is going to be able to stop them. Yeah. Yeah, they this match or the the schedule gets a lot tougher. So um, I think that we might we might start seeing some weaknesses come out a little bit. But man, it's it it's hard to believe that the Browns are going to be the ones to 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 break the seal. All right, moving on to our Broncos at their baby selves, the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. I like that. Nice. Uh, the only green light I have in this game is Cortland Sutton. Um, the Colts have allowed the fifth most fantasy points to uh, wide receivers over the past five weeks. Um, so, and Sutton steps into that wide receiver one role with the trade of Emmanuel Sanders. Um, last week, we saw the Colts give up. Uh, two 100-yard games to DeAndre Hopkins and Kenny Stills. Um, Kiki Kuti had a, another double-digit fantasy game, though. Part of that was rushing the ball. Uh, the previous week, they gave up 22.3 fantasy points to Byron Pringle. Nicole Hardman had 79 yards. Um, against the Colts in Week 3, uh, Julio had 128 yards and a touchdown. Mohamed Sanu, who we just talked about before he was traded, had 13.7 fantasy points. So, yeah, they have okay and okay secondary. Um, Pierre Desir is likely going to be on Cortland Sutton, but it's not like a shutdown corner. It's not a horrible matchup. And I think Cortland Sutton's going to get plenty of targets now, especially because he is the bona fide wide receiver one there. So uh, he's my only green light for this game. Uh, a lot of yellow lights. Uh, Noah, Noah Fant, I mentioned earlier, um, has not had a good – season to date uh very disappointing for both you and i john because we thought he was going to step up and have a major role on this team has had a lot of issues with his hands but um he has been able to get open he just needs to catch the damn ball driving me crazy catch the ball no offense oh my god he had so many options chances last week to get some yardage i whatever not here to get angry um the colts have allowed uh, five double-digit fantasy games, two tight ends this season. Um, 
they've allowed the fourth most points to tight ends over the last five weeks. On the season, they've allowed the third most fantasy points to tight ends. And so with with Emmanuel Sanders gone, no no fan could take a step forward here, step up into a, a bigger role for Joe Flacco. And this is a game that he can do it. So I think no, I mean, no fan has had his struggles, but I think he's a yellow light because of the fact that the Colts have been bad against tight ends and there are, there are some targets to be had here. Uh, Marlon Mack is also a yellow light. The Broncos have been one of the better defenses in the league this season. Um, People will point to that 225-yard game that they gave up to Leonard Fournette. They also gave up a 24.3 fantasy point game to Austin Eckler, though that was based on his pass-catching ability. He caught 15 of 16 passes for 86 yards. Other than that, they really have not given up fantasy points to to running backs. I mean, they shut down Derrick Henry. They shut down LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams. They they shut down Melvin Gordon, which – not really that difficult at this point. Um, they've been good, and over the last five and three weeks, they have been a lot better. Um, well, more the last three weeks than anything. The last five weeks includes that Leonard Fournette game, um, but in the last three weeks, they've allowed the ninth fewest fantasy points to running backs. But Mac is going to get enough volume in this game that he will be startable. Uh, but temper expectations there. Uh, same with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. The Broncos run the ball at a pretty significant clip, but the Colts have been decent or have been very good against running backs. They've allowed the second fewest fantasy points to running backs over the last two weeks. In fact, ever since Austin Eckler went off in week one, they have, they've only allowed 17.4, 12.5, and 12.8 fantasy point games um, to running backs. Those are the highest fantasy point games um, since week one. So they've been very good against um, running backs. But like I said, there's a just a ton of volume. Lindsay has been super efficient. Both are involved in the passing game, uh, both Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay. So they are yellow lights for me this week. Um, Dejon Hamilton, I mean, I got to put him as a yellow light because he, he steps into that wide receiver two role. I don't know what he's going to be able to do with that. He's definitely not Emmanuel Sanders. He's definitely got some things to learn. He's better in the slot, but it looks like he's going to step into that flanker role that Emmanuel Sanders had. Um, I've already talked about the Colts uh, giving up fantasy points to wide receivers, so that's why Hamilton is a yellow light here. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, a lot of people will think that T.Y. Hilton should be a green light, but again, the Broncos have been fantastic Again, uh, uh, on defense this season, they've allowed the seventh fewest fantasy points to wide receivers over the past five weeks. Um, over the past three, they've allowed the also the seventh fewest uh, fantasy points. Um, they've only given up two fantasy games over 20 points this season, um, and that was in week one and week three. Other than that, they really just have not given up a lot of fantasy points to wide receivers. So while T.Y. And, and T.Y. Hilton can be shadowed by, could be shadowed by Chris Harris all game because Chris Harris can play inside and outside. So Chris Harris being one of the top cornerbacks in the league, that's definitely going to hinder Hilton's um, ceiling. So that's why he is a yellow light. Joe Flacco is also a yellow light. Um, as much as we don't like Joe Flacco and think he is pretty, pretty bad. Um, 
the Colts have given up uh, the 13th most fantasy points to QBs over the past three weeks. They gave up two. They gave up back-to-back 20-point uh, fantasy games. Um, they've given up four 20-point-plus fantasy games, two QBs. Joe Flacco um, may have to throw the ball more because, like I said, the Colts have been good at shutting down the run. And um, so I, I think Joe Flacco is a startable QB2 this week. And then my only red light uh, is Jacoby Brissett. So it's kind of funny to have that there where Flacco's a yellow light is startable and Jacoby Brissett's a red light. But again, going to repeat this again, the Broncos defense has been phenomenal. They've allowed the third fewest fantasy points to QBs over the last three weeks. They have yet to allow a 20-point fantasy week to an opposing QB. The Broncos' pass defense is fantastic. Now, if their offense could uh, do something, I'm sure they would be a lot happier. But that's why Brissett, despite his success this season, despite his under-the-radar success, is a red light for me this week. Nice. There is nobody hotter right now at at game planning than Frank Reich. So, and I mean, I think that there's they're going to find a way to. Uh, they're going to find the weakness of this defense, and I don't think it's through the passing game. So I think you're right on this one. I, I forgot to mention Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. Uh, Broncos did you? Act- yeah, I did. But <laughs> did. Did you the, forget, or are they not worth mentioning? They're not really worth mentioning, but the Broncos have actually been decent against tight ends this season. Yep. Uh, they've only allowed two double-digit fantasy games. One was last week to Travis Kelsey, though. He only had 44 yards. So, yeah, I mean, Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron are kind of splitting targets right now, and neither are startable this week for me. Yep, agreed. Uh, Final matchup from me, uh, the Raiders are at the Texans. Green light Deshaun Watson, green light uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Those might be the the number one at their respective positions this week. Uh, The Raiders are the third worst against quarterbacks. They're the second worst against wide receivers. They're also the third worst against tight ends, by the way. So Darren Fells is also going to get a green light here. So it's just the Raiders just have nothing in that secondary. And Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and now Kenny Stills taking on that uh, that Will Fuller role. I'm even going to green light him. I think that he's uh, he's. Uh, for based on you know kind of where we've got him um i he, you know he's kind of your end of bench type of guy and based on that i think the fact that you're likely looking at wide receiver two type of numbers from him is the d- the new deep threat uh, against a very bad oakland secondary i think it makes kenny stills a green light um that doesn't mean that he's that we're looking at wide receiver one numbers it just means Based on where our expectations generally are on Kenny Stills, I think that he can far outperform those. Uh, and and same thing with Darren Fells. Like I said, they're the Raiders are the third worst against tight ends. Uh, Darren Fells has kind of emerged as the top red zone option for sure. Uh, kind of sharing a lot of the work with Jordan Akins. Uh, but I think Darren Fells is is the preferred option for Deshaun Watson, and especially in the red zone. Uh, it's uh, there. The most likely scenario here is that you get a touchdown out of Darren Fells, which is at this point, I mean, that's that's kind of the best we can hope for with most tight ends outside of the top, you know, five or so. Um, and then I'm going to green light Darren Waller. 
it's a tough matchup on paper. The Texans are 26th against tight ends. Uh, but Waller is a top tight end option every single week on volume alone. Um, he's averaging 81 yards per game receiving. So plus the Texans get pretty bad in the red zone. So there's a chance to score. And again, I, that's that's the big thing that we're looking for from tight ends is an opportunity to score here. And and I think it's absolutely there for Darren Waller, especially if Tyrell Williams sits yet again. Yellow light on Derek Carr. It's a decent matchup. He should benefit from the game script. Uh, the Raiders probably are going to be chasing points here, but his weapons are just not very good right now, especially if Tyrell Williams doesn't play. Um, so we're going to temper expectations on Derek Carr. Tyrell Williams, though, if he if he were to play, uh, it's it's such a good matchup. It's really tempting to give him a green light. I'm still going to make him a yellow light just because plantar fasciitis is a tough injury to to come back from and play through. So we're going to give him a little bit more time to recover before we ramp up those expectations, um, make him a mid-level wide receiver too if he's able to play. Josh Jacobs showed up on the injury report late in the, in the week. Uh, he could miss this game with a shoulder injury, so keep an eye on that. Follow our guy Ethan Turner at eTurnerFF underscore PT for updates. But if he's able to go, Houston is the seventh best versus running back, but it's very deceptive. They force a negative game script and take away the run, number one. And number two, they're actually giving up the most receptions and the most receiving yards to running backs. So there's an angle here where Josh Jacobs, who's been particularly effective in the passing game, uh, is, uh, is able to catch some passes out of the backfield and exploit that defense that way. And for that matter, if Josh Jacobs doesn't go, I think Jalen Richard gets a pretty bright yellow light. Uh, just uh, again, just on the the catching the ball out of the backfield, I think there's an opportunity for him there. And he's almost a yellow light if Josh Josh Jacobs were to go. Um, we're going to red light him though if Josh Jacobs does play. Uh, yellow lights for Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Uh, not a great matchup. Um, the Raiders are 18th against running backs. It's also just a matter of, it's a function of the fact that Houston doesn't really use the running backs a whole lot. And again, this game script is going to call more for Duke Johnson. Um, but Carlos Hyde has been kind of the early down running back. There's just not enough work for either of those two. Uh, Kiki QT will give him a yellow light as he still works his way back from an injury. Um, I think that, uh, there's, there's a chance here that he gets pretty significant volume, but I think that you're looking at a get right game for Deandre Hopkins. I think you're looking at Kenny stills again, you know, taking on that deep threat role. Those guys are the most likely to score Darren fells, I think kind of cuts into, uh, Kiki QT's work. A little bit so we'll temper expectations but i think that he could be a flex play here uh in a in a nice matchup uh jordan akins even gets a yellow light just uh, you know darren fells is the top tight end option for houston but jordan akins has still been equally involved as far as target share um, so i think that you can get some volume from him um, and again there's there's still a possibility to score here i think there are enough points to go around here and then finally, Foster Moreau. I'm actually going to give him a yellow light as well for all of the same reasons that Darren Waller gets that green light. 
Foster Moreau has been a very sneaky uh, target hog with uh, Tyrell Williams out as well. And I think there's a chance for some volume, possibly even a score. He's been a bigger red zone threat than Darren Waller over the last several weeks. So uh, Foster Moreau is could be a, a plug-and-play tight end if you're desperate. But we're going to red light Zay Jones in his first game with the Raiders. Uh, let's just give him an, at least a week here to learn the playbook. It's a good matchup for for uh, Oakland wide receivers. Texans are the fourth worst against wide receivers, but we just there there just aren't the wide receivers in Oakland to exploit this matchup. Uh, Zay Jones could be that at some point, but he's not going to be that this week. So I, I do have a question about Zay Jones and Foster Moreau. With Zay Jones playing, mm -hmm. do you think Foster Moreau returns to kind of the backup role? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I I think they that they still probably run a lot of two tight end sets. I, I think that's probably true just because, like you said, they, they just don't – hopefully Zay Jones becomes that second wide receiver, but they don't have the second wide receiver. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's a, valid, it's a valid point. I just – I didn't know – I mean, Foster Moreau had two – four targets total the first two games, um, and then he's definitely been more involved the last three games. I just – yeah, I, I, I don't – it's interesting that you put Foster Moreau as a yellow light this week. Is Yeah, and I guess I, I do need to qualify that. Again, if Tyrell Williams were to miss this game, Foster Moreau is, is a, kind of a mid-level tight end two for me. Um, so that's where the yellow light comes from. But if Tyrell Williams were to go, then I think that you can you can kind of consolidate that um, and just – just roll with Tyrell Williams. And again, I mean, I think you still have to temper expectations with him, but I think that he, you funnel a lot of the targets from Foster Moreau and, you know, some of the auxiliary pieces over to Tyrell Williams. Sure. Um, all right. Final game for this week, uh, Packers at the Kansas City Chiefs. This is definitely an interesting matchup, especially with. I mean, <laughs> with the rumor that Patrick Mahomes could play, which is would be the dumbest thing that the Kansas City Chiefs could do. But actually, now now that now I see that he's ruled out, so never mind about that. Ignore me. Um, so green lights this week: um, Tyree Kill, uh, Travis Kelsey, both I think fairly obvious. But the the Packers. Past defense has not been nearly as good uh, the past four or five weeks as they were uh, the pre the first three weeks. Uh, they allowed um, Amari Cooper to go off. They allowed uh, Michael Gallup to go off. Um, Kenny Galladay had a fan a monstrous game against them in week six. Um, Oakland obviously didn't have a great game in terms of wide receivers against them. Um, so I think Tyreek just because he presents such a a horrendous matchup for basically anybody. You have to start Ty Tyreek Hill because he's always he's always a threat for that fifty yard touchdown, and and I think that's what we're probably going to see this week from Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey likely a safety blanket for 
uh, Matt Moore as well, um, him being the number one tight end in the game, uh, getting the amount of targets that he does. He has a must start. Aaron Rodgers is finally a must start, <laughs> a green light. Yes. Um, not the best matchup, believe it or not, because no. and this is this is really weird to see. Kansas City ranks fourth in DVOA against the pass, and they have given up. Uh, <laughs> They're getting I, better by the week. Too. Yeah, they are, and and while they haven't been the best against QBs, they only allowed. I mean, they allowed a thirty-four point performance to um, Deshaun Watson, but that is sandwiched by a 10 point performance by Joe Flacco, which the Broncos line was dominated. And I don't know if that's a line thing or a defensive line thing, or if it was a combination, but, um, and then Jacoby Brissett only put up a 14.5 fantasy point game in week five. So they've actually been decent against the pass, but it's Aaron Rodgers. He did put up a 45 point performance last week. We'll see if he backs that up again, but I don't expect that he won't, uh, this week. Uh, here's another interesting um, dilemma is the running backs for Green Bay. The Chiefs definitely give up fantasy points to running backs. They gave up 20 fantasy points to Carlos Hyde, 13.4 to um, Duke Johnson, 16.7 to Royce Freeman, 17.8 to Marlon Mack, including, and they've given up four 100 yard fantasy or 100 yard rushing games. And Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams tend to have split um, the snaps and the amount of touches pretty evenly of late. Um, Aaron Jones had a lot more snaps last week. He had 34 to Williams, 24. But the previous week, Williams had 39 to Jones' 36. Um, when they were both healthy at the beginning of the season, they they split snaps pretty evenly and then jamal williams obviously got hurt for the two games i have them both as green lights because like i said the chief's weakness is against the run like and and i've already mentioned they rank fourth against the pass they rank 29th in dvoa against the run um on the season they have given up the uh, where are we here the uh, 10th most fantasy points to running backs so I think it's going to be a weird script game script too, because it is Matt Moore. It's not Patrick Mahomes. It's not going to probably be nearly as high scoring as it we initially thought it would be. So I think Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams will probably get more uh, usage as well. And Devonta Adams is out. We've seen those two be more involved in the passing game with Devonta Adams out. Uh, on to yellow light. Sammy Watkins is playing. Don't know how much you can trust him here, especially with a new quarterback and Matt Moore. Um, don't even know if he's going to be very viable just in terms of his health. So he's got to be a, um, a yellow light this week. LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams are both yellow lights. Um, like the chiefs, the strength of the defense is through the pass and against running backs. They have not been good. Um, the Packers have given up the fifth most fantasy points to running backs this season. Uh, last week they gave up 124 points on the gr- or 124 yards on the ground to Josh Jacobs. Um, McCoy and Williams uh, have been splitting time rather evenly as well, though. Um, looking at Football Guys snap charts, it says that uh, Damian Williams didn't play at all last week, so I think that's a mistake. I don't know what happened because I know for sure he got touches last week because it was against the Denver Broncos. Um, 
but I think Damien and, and there there's there's reports out there that Matt Moore and Damian Williams have a kind of chemistry. So Damian Williams could get some play through in the passing game, get a few yards on the ground and be startable this week. But with McCoy and Williams kind of splitting snaps, you have to temper your expectations with both of them. That's why they are both yellow lights. Matt Moore is also a yellow light. Like I said, the Packers uh, pass defense has not been fantastic over the last few weeks. Um, they've given up the eighth most fantasy points to QBs. They gave up 22.7 fantasy points to Derek Carr. They did keep um, Matt Stafford in check, but then they gave up almost 34 points to Dak Prescott, 21 points to Carson Wentz. Matt Moore isn't going to have a humongous game by any means because it is he is a backup, and the Packers' de- pass defense is still their strength. But with the weapons around him, with Tyreek, with Kelsey, with Watkins, and and two pass catching backs in McCoy and Williams, it's going to be hard to shut down that entire offense, and that's why Matt Moore is a an okay QB two start this week. Um, another yellow light, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, he is known or has been known to get um, big plays uh, over the past few weeks, and with Devontae Adams out. Um, MBS is, I guess, de facto the wide receiver one, uh, this season. He, he had, um, 19.3 points last week. He had 133 yards on, on two catches on three targets. So he's a big play waiting to happen. Uh, wasn't really involved. The, the previous three weeks had a big, a big game against the Broncos, but because he is the de facto wide receiver one, I think you have to keep him as a yellow light. Though Alan Lazard actually has gotten more targets over the past two games than um, MBS. So Alan Lazard is also a yellow light. I think he has basically replaced Geronimo Allison at this point as a slot receiver, though Geronimo Allison will get play this week because of the absence of Devonta Adams. Um, Jimmy Graham is also a yellow light this week. Uh, Jimmy Graham had a big game last week um, in the absence of Devontae Adams, which has been encouraging. Um, He has uh, two double-digit fantasy games in the last four. Um, Each of those he caught a touchdown. um, And, I mean, he should continue to garner targets without um, Devonta Adams in the lineup. So I think Jimmy, Jimmy Graham is a decent bi-week fill-in at tight end this week, um, especially without Devonte Adams. Red lights, Geronimo Allison. Like I said, he's going to get play, but I just, I don't know. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers just doesn't trust Geronimo Allison at this point. And then Mecole Hardman. It's going to be tough for a rookie with a veteran backup QB, um, and now that Watkins is back, his his um, targets are going to uh, fall off because, like I said, you have five other options on the field besides Hardman. So I wouldn't expect much from Hardman. He may get a big play for a touchdown like he did I, against um, – I believe he did it against the Broncos, right? Uh, yeah. But beyond that, I don't – you can't really expect that. So I would rather sit him and, and eat that – whatever big play then get a, a a goose egg and start him yeah yeah that sounds right man mvs kind of has that same uh he, he's kind of got that tyreek hill thing where it and it was tough last week because you know tyreek hill in a must-start situation even though he was against chris harris 
and people had to sweat for a long time, and then out of nowhere comes that long touchdown. Yeah, I mean, but with MVS, at the very least, like Tyreek Hill gets like significant volume. With MVS, like he just hasn't gotten volume this season, even though there was a lot of hype coming out of camp. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, it's uh, it it it, it does make this a a pretty tricky mix as far as where the target's going to go. Alan Lazard feels like, I mean, to me, and and I'm I fully agree. Allison to the bench and and Lazard becomes startable because when Devonte Adams comes back, I think that's your mix of wide receivers. I think it's Adams and Lazard on the outside and then um, MVS out of the slot. Or Lazard out of the slot, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so Lazard has played 45% of his snaps from the slot, which tells me that once Devontae Adams is healthy, Allison is the wide receiver four on this team. Yeah, yeah, he's the odd man out for sure. Yeah, this is also – this might be a low-key shootout um, just because I, – I I mean, I think that a big part of where that, you know, the, the Chiefs are – they're bad against the run. They're good against the pass. A big part of that has been just the fact that people have been running on them so much to try and keep Pat Mahomes off the field. And like you said, you don't have to to worry about that anymore with Matt Moore. So there might be a lot more plays actually run uh, than in a typical Pat Mahomes team a game. That's Am I supposed it. to talk now? I just assumed that you probably would. You usually have something contradictory to say when I say something. So. Oh, I stopped listening to you. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. There's, I guess there's always that outcome as well. So um, good. Well, awesome. Well, we'll just, uh, we'll just wrap it up there then. And those are your start sits part two. So make sure to check out part one. If you haven't already uh, where Stompy talked to the other John, John McGlynn and probably didn't, yell at him nearly as much uh oh we actually got into it believe it or not is that right nice yeah, a little bit nice that's a that's a heavyweight throwdown right there i need to listen to that one um so yeah and again you can check out uh stompy and i on sunday morning doing the the live preview show for the ff mercenaries and uh we'll answer start sit questions there um, but in the meantime, make sure to keep up with Ethan Turner at E Turner FF underscore PT for all of your inactives and actives going into the weekend. And uh, yeah, and then yeah, make sure and uh, catch all five episodes next week of the Superflex Super Show, including starting the week on Tuesday morning with your standard operating procedures. Uh, and then that that mailbag show, that live mailbag show, make sure you're sending in questions and trade polls that we can analyze on the live show. And then you can join the discussion live on YouTube. So that'll do it for Stompy. I'm John Hogue at Superflex Dude. He's at FF Stompy. Until next week. Stay sexy and super flexy. John's the worst. <laughs>